And for the last time this season, we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Bird, along with my co-host, Ryan Winthrop, and we will be recapping the finale of Survivor Season 42. Season ended on a great, a great, se- a great season ended on a great note, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. Dylan, you, I think you summed it up well. It was a great season, uh, a great finale, um, a very good winner. I can't wait to talk about it all with you. It, it's always so exciting to talk about the finale, but it's always so bittersweet and sad when the season's over because now we have to wait until September for the next season. But uh, we have a lot to discuss, so I can't wait to break it all down with you. Right. It's like, it's like, yeah, you know, love watching the finale. And then right after it's over, it's like, oh, we just saw that great preview for Survivor 43. And we got to wait all the way until mid-September, yeah. which is counting the months four months away. So yeah. it's going to be a long wait, but uh, I'm excited to get into everything that happened tonight. Um, now, before we get started tonight, just want to remind everyone to like the video, subscribe to this channel, really helps us out. Also, be sure to follow us on all social platforms. The links are in the description below for Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe also, Apple, Spotify, and any other platform. Links in the description below. But let's get to it. The winner of Survivor 42 is Marianne. Uh, if you told me two to three weeks ago that Marianne was going to be the winner of the season, I would have been completely shocked. And it turned out that she ended up being a very, very good winner and very well deserving for her. Yeah, I, I think that that speaks to you know how great of a season this was, where we were saying for a while it could be Mike, it could be High, it could be Drea, Omer, and I think for a while we kind of discounted Marianne. You know, obviously early on we saw confessionals and we saw you know scenes of her and her social game and how it kind of rubs some people the wrong way and she really emerged in the late game making some big moves taking out the biggest player of the season in omer and then obviously as she said in her final speech positioning herself well at final five and four to get to the end very impressive stuff i think she did a great job in her final uh jury performance i can't wait to go over it but yeah marianne joins the winner's circle um again it's very exciting to kind of talk about this um we will open it up uh as some people are commenting in the uh, comments that you know obviously um marianne is another canadian winner so two seasons in a row a canadian has won just like with erica so canadians are starting to uh rack up the wins i think she's the fifth or sixth uh, african-american winner and actually what's crazy dylan is that she's the first uh, african-american woman to win since vasepia back in season four so 20 years later so pretty cool stuff all around yeah, obviously awesome stat uh, etched into the history books, uh, Marianne. Um, I just want to, you know, obviously we normally go chronological. I want to talk about Marianne first for the first yeah. five minutes or so, and then go right back to uh, to the beginning and talk about Marianne's path and what kind of unfolded in this episode. Um, Marianne's final, final Tribal Council speech, I mean, not only was it clear that it won her the game, given what everyone said in the recap show right after, it was a phenomenal final tribal council speech. It was, it was up there with the best of them. I mean, not, you know, we all knew that she had the biggest um, move of the game, you know, pulling the big blindside on Omer last week uh, in the three, two, two vote. But, you know, at the end of the day, one big move is one big move. Could you sell your entire game to the jury? And, you know, at first I said, you know, Marianne's got to be a fit you know, going into final tribal council. I said, Marianne's got to be a favorite to win easily, no matter who she sits next to. Obviously Mike was going to be her biggest, uh, biggest challenge to beat. Uh, and then, you know, Mike kind of got off to a little bit of a shaky start, not completely owning his game, even though I thought he recovered very nicely. And I thought he ended up doing a good, uh, a pretty solid job. It was just that like, even if Mike did a phenomenal job at tribal council, I don't think he could have beat what Marianne said. It was like, she perfectly 
not only did she have the big idol reveal, I was wondering why did she hold on to the idol? Well, it was because she wanted to reveal it at tribal council, everybody that I didn't even need to use this because I yeah. got Mike's, I calculated that, you know, Mike was going to give it to me and I knew he would keep his promise. So he played it for me and I didn't even need to play it. So, you know, I just love how she kind of broke down every single scenario in one so eloquently. And she was like, I knew that, th that once I hit final six, if I pulled off the Omer vote, I was guaranteed for final four. And that's how I set myself up perfectly. And that's why I should win the game. And it was the perfect speech. And because of her final tribal council speech and the way she played from final six, you know, even dating back to, you know, even before that, where she kind of said it was intentional for her to kind of be goofy and like be herself, but, you know, intentionally kind of goofy as well. Um, in order to you know keep her threat level low and seem not threatening, she said there was a lot of people, a lot of young people that went out in the game. Everybody below twenty five, except for her, kept getting voted out, voted out, and she was the one that managed to stick around because of you know the way she was acting towards everyone. So I thought she did a great job, very good winner, Marianne. But the floor is yours, Ryan. What do you have to say? Yeah, I mean, listen, and when we talk about final tribal performances, and we'll come back to this as we go through the episode, we always put everybody on a scale of. Who did, who did bad at Final Tribal, like Dawn or Sherry? Like, we put everybody from that to, like, a Todd Herzog. Like, that's what we rate people on. And I think Marianne, putting trying to put aside recency bias, was gave a, a very, very strong final performance. I think she was one of the better ones in recent memory. Um, because, like you mentioned, when all three aspects of the game, like Jeff said, the social, the strategic, the physical. I mean, the physical wasn't that big of a part of it. But basically, like you mentioned, she not only had the perception to realize like, look, I, maybe I didn't realize my social game wasn't the best, but I knew enough to know if I played strategic and hard early on, I would get targeted like the younger people playing hard, like Zach, Swathy, Tori, etc. So she had the wherewithal to change and adapt her strategy, which is very hard for people to do. Not everybody can change their strategy on the fly. So that was very impressive. But the most important thing, like you mentioned was, her saying I was positioned so well where I made a big move to take out Omer basically all by myself. Yes, Mike and Jonathan maybe like brought it to me, but they backed out of it. And then I took ownership as my move. And then I did it basically by myself while pulling in Romeo. And I didn't even need my idol at the final five because Mike promised he would use it on me. And then at the final four, everybody would have probably taken me. So I was positioned very well. So I think she really said to the jury, like, look, and they said this in the reunion too, maybe Mike was more like overt. He was more public about his strategy and he was more in your face about it where no one knew what Marianne was doing, but she was able to articulate her game in a great way. And I think that's why she swayed some votes. She was able to say, you perceived me one way. I'm actually playing in a better way than you had even thought. And that's why I was able to, you know, skate by and do well. So I think she did a great job there. And yeah, I, I agree. And, and it's so funny because we sat here on the preview show on Sunday and we all, we both had a, you know, we both predicted Marianne to win, but we were kind of going through the scenarios and we were like, all right, she's probably going to need to beat someone in fire unless Romeo wins immunity. And we were like, oh, and I literally said to you, I said to you on this podcast, I said, yeah. oh, we don't have to worry about a Romeo winning immunity. And of course, I said to you, I said to you on Sunday, I said, you know that I said that now he's going to end up winning final immunity because if he wins final immunity, maybe he just likes her that well. And he, he, he likes her that much and he takes her. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, he kind of described it as he didn't think she really had a strategy, which I think, again, what a huge misread by him. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, I, I, I even think it was worse than it, it was almost worse than what Xander did 
last season. I think it was worse than what Xander did last season because obviously Xander Xander takes Erica, which was a huge misread. But like for us watching, we we knew we knew that Heather was not a threat. But like everyone said that on the island, it looked like Heather and Erica were working very hand in hand. So I don't think it was as bad as it may have looked to us because while while it may be bad, you know Deshaun did look like a pretty big threat. So you know sending him the fire was seemed like the right move and you know and then obviously he made the wrong move with Erica I don't want to get too much into that but this I thought was worse because Marianne had just made a huge move the biggest move of the season and everybody saw it happen the vote before so I don't know what Romeo was thinking because if he does if he sends Marianne to fire I think there's no way she gets there and I'm not, I'm not I don't want to act like I know that she could or can't make fire it was just that Mike and Jonathan seemed to have make fire so fast that it would have taken an incredible effort to beat one of them. So just by odds, it probably wouldn't have happened. So, you know, I, I think Mary had props there also. It was like, well, she got Romeo to kind of underestimate her and got Romeo, you know, on Romeo's good side that, that uh, she gets taken by him. But literally if Jonathan wins immunity, I think he sends Mike and Marianne. If uh, Marianne wins immunity, she, then she obviously gets there, but we didn't think that Marianne was going to win immunity. But what I'm saying is Jonathan and Mike, either of them win final immunity over Romeo, then Marianne is going to fire with either Mike or Jonathan and Romeo is getting taken. So in, in all likelihood. So, you know, the perfect scenario happens and Marianne gets taken huge misread by Romeo. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just, I think it's just funny that we went through all these scenarios and that what we thought was the least likely thing to happen ends up happening. I mean, look, again, just to compare things, it's not as bad as Wu taking Tony. I don't think it's that bad, but, like, because, I mean, everybody knew that Cass was not going to beat him, but, but like, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, last season and this one where which one was worse. I do see your point where Erica was a bit more under the radar in, some, in, in like, in what she was doing towards the end, and Marianne just made two big things happen, so... Why did he do that? Um, one thing I want to I want to reference, and I, I think Mike Bloom said this, but also Peridium said this too. And I'm gonna I'm gonna cite them both again because they had another great point I want to mention later in the podcast. Um, this is why Survivor is so good at its storytelling and its foreshadowing. So long, because I was thinking about like Romeo knows the game. Why would he not just take Jonathan? rather than take Marianne. Now, maybe it was just like an emotional decision, which it probably was, but like he know, and you texted me, you're like, he knows that taking Jonathan is a better move because he can beat him. Why would he take Marianne? And they reminded me, my um, Perdium and Mike Bloom reminded me of a confessional back in the pre-merge. And this is why the storytelling is so good, where when Romeo and Andrea found the, ex found the uh, extra vote, or I'm sorry, not the extra vote, they found the, the Beware Idol together. Do you remember what Romeo's confessional was where he said, like, I want even if I can't win, I believe in powerful women. I want to push them forward. And obviously you think, OK, well, that's applying to Drea. But in a way, you could say that kind of applied to Marianne, where he had a chance to take Jonathan. He instead said, well, maybe Jonathan's easier to beat. But if I can propel Marianne and at least give her a chance to plead her case, I want to put her in a position to do so. And it costs him the game. So it's just another way of foreshadowing in that regard. Yeah, I, I did see that tweet as well. That's very interesting thinking back to that. Mm -hmm. um, I think Romeo, at least he kind of admitted some of the things in uh, in Tribal Council. It, was like, it wasn't like he went out there uh, as a goat and was like, I played the best game and here's why. It was like, sometimes in Survivor, the truth is that sometimes you're not dealt... The, the best cards and he kind of did admit that and was like i you know i had to do i had to deal with the cards i was given i think that you know in he even the, the jury even said they gained some respect for romeo as well because you know admitting that and, and his final tribal council i think 
you know, it kind of started off kind of weak for everybody in tribal council in the final tribal council. And then everyone kind of turns it up a notch. Obviously Marianne was fantastic. Mike, you know, you could tell he, I clearly he misread a little bit going in. He thought he was not going to get ripped as much as he clearly did. Now we knew seeing everybody talk about Mike in the confessionals and seeing how other seasons have gone. We knew that Mike was going to get asked about his honor and integrity. And they even said that we had the weird jury confessionals, which we've never had before. I kind of like that. We could, we could go into that a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of just gives a, a perspective of what the jury's thinking going in. And I, and people said they were like, if Mike owns his game, then he could win it easily. And we literally sat here on Sunday and last Wednesday and said, Mike has the most to gain and most to lose at final tribal council. If he owns his game, then he's going to be tough to beat. Now, again, given Marianne's speech, I think I'm not even sure if it would have got it done. Maybe he gets another vote or two. I don't think he gets the majority to win. Um, however, um, I thought he kind of turned it around a little bit and he was like, he did a good job of, you know, he was able to answer all the questions about what moves he made. He then kind of backtracked a little and was like, all right, well, I see everyone, you know, kind of feels as I, I wasn't, you know, as, as uh, honorable as I may have thought, but like, I had to do this because otherwise I would have been voted out. And like, yeah, he wasn't the most specific, but I thought he generally did a pretty good job to the point where like, I think if he was sitting next to anybody else in the final five, not named Marianne, then he probably beats them at the end. Lindsay, who knows what would have happened. I think that was kind of a tough thing to read. Um, It seems that based on the way that the jury reacted when Lindsay left and the players there, it seemed like she was so well-liked and that she could have won if she got to the end. So that's something that we'll never know, really. Uh, Maybe we'll know in exit interviews tomorrow. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think Mike... So one thing that with social players is a guy like Mike, who's 57 years old at the time that he played, um, it was so impressive to see him. It was so impressive to see him, you know, have such a good social game at 57 years old. Like that was, I think what the jury was so impressed with is they were like, this guy is twice our age and he was able to relate to all of us. And even if he wasn't able to relate, he like learned so much about us. And Mike's, you know, Mike even said that he's like, you guys open to me. I was so excited to hear about, you know, everything like people given, like I got information because this is because people were like comfortable opening up to me. And that's, I think that was Mike's game. And that, was you know definitely something good that he said um but yeah i think mike deserves a lot of credit i think he played a great game but i'm saying with social players sometimes i think it's hard for them to even realize completely what they're doing because mike just seems to be like that's who he is in real life he's just a very social guy and then as he went far into the game he realized he was gonna have to lie more and more in order to get to the end so i think that it's hard for a guy like Mike to explain his game when it comes so naturally to him being just such a social butterfly as I believe somebody described him or he even described himself. Like it's so hard for social people like that to describe their game. Yeah. I mean, obviously a a key example we always come back to is, is Michelle, you know, obviously Michelle played a great social game in co wrong and even matched up against someone like Aubrey who did play very great strategically Michelle was able to win out in a social way, which was great. But then she comes back and she is very social again and winners at war. And she's up against someone in a juggernaut like Tony, and she's just not able to get the same respect. So I, I agree. Playing a social game is a great way to play a social players. I mean, I think social, I think in the terms of the three things that we discussed tonight, the social, the physical, the strategic, I think the most important one I think has to be social because even though strategy is very important, you and I are big strategy guys. You need to make moves in the game, whether it's big or small. If people don't like you, or if, if you don't connect with people, they're not going to vote for you no matter, no matter what. So the fact that Mike had that coming in at his age, like you mentioned, 
huge points in his favor. Mike clearly was able to connect. I mean, only Mike, like what happened with Drea, can only Mike can have an uh, extra vote used against him. And he says to Drea, like laughing, I'm going to come visit you in Canada anyway. So he really connected with people good. And he did at the end realize, okay, maybe I wasn't as honorable as I once wanted to be. And I think he realized that. And I think his performance was good. I think he did a good job tonight. I think early on, he just wasn't answering in the way that the jury wanted him to. But towards the end, I think he got it. Unfortunately, I think it was too too little too late. Like once Marianne was able to articulate her game and then whip out the idol and then explain her positioning. And then even her last thing when she said like, look, I wanted to take Lindsay, but I put emotions aside and said, that's not good for my game. I'm going to make the tough choice and do what's best for my game and take, you know, you know, Jonathan. I just think it was too late for him at that point. But Mike, I think should be very proud of the game he played. Mike is Mike was so much fun to watch the season. I would love to see him back. Um, you know, more power to Mike for sure. Yeah, Mike was great. If Mike had pulled it out, he would have been the oldest survivor winner of all time. So props to him for getting that close. I mean, it was awesome to see. And props to Marianne for a phenomenal game, phenomenal tribal council speech, and ultimately capping it off. Um, So I think, you know, right now we will go through the episode chronologically, kind of talk about the steps that led to the final tribal council and everything and how we got there. Mm -hmm. Um, But first, just want to remind everyone, that if you got any questions, drop it in the chat and we will answer it at the end. But uh, let's get to it. So similar final five setup to last season, almost identical um, to the point where final five, we knew that they were going to be have an advantage to get in the challenge uh, final five immunity. Lindsay, we knew needed to win final five challenge immunity challenge in order to get to final four. Like she was just too big of a threat. It was clear that people really liked her. People thought she would win if she got to the end. Um, that was very clear amongst pretty much everyone there. I thought it was beyond hilarious that she figured out the word scramble puzzle and then found the idol, not the idol, found the advantage before everyone else even, and they were working together before everyone else was even able to solve the puzzle. She solved the puzzle and got it. Like, I, I think this, this is like, this shows a lot of Lindsay's story in this season. She was a beast at every type of challenge. And I mean, it didn't matter if it was a puzzle. It didn't matter if it was some crazy physical challenge. She was up there beating, you know, she went head to head with Jonathan in every single challenge, no matter what it was. It was pretty incredible to watch. I, I think that even though she may not have the numbers as, as in terms of like the stats of immunity wins for a woman, like I think that she's up there with maybe one of the best, you know, challenge performers that we've had out of a female like ever in survivor she was fantastic in everything even we saw in some of the team challenges early on in the season um she was you know or or i should say uh because she was on the same tribe as jonathan i should say like when they split up for award early in the merge like she was going toe-to-toe with jonathan and several legs of the challenge it was just very impressive to watch she's a great physical player it was clear she had a great social game like jonathan summed it up perfectly uh at Lindsay's last tribal council in the final five he was like at the end of the day, like everyone likes you. And that, and that's just true. Like she played a great game. Um, so shout out to Lindsay. And yeah, I just, I thought, you know, it was cool to see her try to save herself, scramble one last time. It was unfortunate that she couldn't pull off that last final, final uh, five challenge. And I think that I would not be surprised if Lindsay, just like most of the rest of this cast on the season, I would not be surprised to see her on a future season as well. Cause Jeff seems to really like her also. Yeah. I mean, Lindsay's very well-rounded. Obviously when you think of Lindsay, you right away think of how great she was in the challenges, both tribal and immunity. She won two, 
I mean, both her and Jonathan won two immunity challenges. And I think she actually beat him because she also won a reward. So she really did a great job in that department. And again, she was great at all different types of challenges, whether it was endurance or very physical or, you know, balance or puzzle. She was very good at all these challenges, not to mention how good she was socially until her and Omer's spot kind of got blown up. And then strategically, she was making moves along with Omer. So Lindsay, very well-rounded player. I want to give her kudos as well. I think she would be fun to see again. Um, and then going back to this, um, this advantage. Yeah, it was so weird. Like you mentioned how, in the and again, this could be editing, but in the time that she went and found it after 30, 40 minutes, they still hadn't solved it yet. They either were very bad at that or because the, the weird thing as well, Dylan, was Marianne kept saying, and this is obviously she changed her mind, but she's like, I want Lindsay in the end with me. I want to go with Lindsay. I mean, they didn't show this, but I'm wondering if Marianne maybe figured out part of the puzzle like, and then she just didn't share it with the others since they were working together. Cause I can't fathom how no one got it other than Lindsay. Like at least I thought someone else would be looking with her, but the fact that none of them got it tells me they either were terrible at it or maybe Marianne figured it out, but she kind of withheld some of that information. So Lindsay can maybe get the advantage, but in the end, the advantage didn't really help her regardless though. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. she was close. She, she was one piece away. Yeah. I, I, it was a weird, like, it seemed like it would help her more that they, she only had to untie one knot, but I guess at the end of the day, like the puzzle, like, like you texted me, you said the puzzle is a great equalizer and that was a massive puzzle. And anybody that is somewhat decent at puzzles could have got that. Like it just, it was a big puzzle. And if you got the right pieces, it could have like, like you saw Mike kind of got a bunch of pieces at once at the beginning. And they kind of just like, once you get, once you get the outside, it's like, it's, you, everything is just going to come together. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think that obviously I wish that it had helped her a little bit more, but I, I guess that uh, Mike did a really good job of closing that gap. So that that was interesting to watch. Um, and yeah, this what did you think of? Um, clearly, it was the right move because Marianne won. I thought it was it was pretty interesting. You know, Marianne's emotional dilemma: where do you bring Lindsay with you? She she kept saying to her, "I want to go to the end with you." And you know, this was kind of what you saw with Mike also, except for Mike was kind of. Mike was painted out to be the guy who was like saying he was honorable with breaking his word. And, you know, Lindsay was trying to play to that, but Marianne also said like, I want to go with you to the end. Um, me, like, I think Lindsay was just really, really likable. People wanted to bring her to the end cause they liked her. I just think that they realized that strategically it was just the wrong move. Like she did everything she could. And that was kind of it. It was like Ricard last season where, although he Ricard was a little bit more of uh, at least we saw a little bit more of his strategy uh, than we did of Lindsay's it was like people liked Ricard. People wanted to bring him to the end. It was just like, at the end of the day, it was not the right move for people's games. Yeah. So sorry, sorry. You're asking me just like thoughts on Lindsay going out here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you, like, do you, you think, you think if, if you were in that situation, like obviously Marianne won, so it was the right choice. But if you were, what do you think of like Mike giving Marianne the idol? Like, what do you think of all, oh. all that, everything that went down there? So, well, well, yeah, before we um, move on to the, the rest of the episode, obviously we'll talk about this both of also what happened with Mike and his idol. Cause that was, you and I were going back and forth. That was crazy to watch, but um, no, I do think for everybody left in the game, I mean, to their knowledge, cause I don't think they knew at the time they didn't know Marianne had the idol. And I don't think they all knew how, critical she was in the omer vote yeah like yes omer whispered to her like did you do this and she said and she said yeah i did it but they didn't show people giving marianne props for the move so i just don't think they knew how good she was so to like put myself in their shoes with the knowledge that they have in the game 
Lindsay is the front runner in terms of she is likable, she's good at the challenges, and she's making the moves. And she was aligned with Omer, who was kind of called out as the biggest power player, and she was like his right-hand woman. So I think for them it made sense. And clearly Marianne pointed this out at Final Tribal, where she says, like, I wanted to go with Lindsay emotionally, but strategically i just knew it was not best to sit next to her and, and and you texted me this as well you said when the jury was kind of like saying oh well sucks that Lindsay's out i think that was kind of telling us like Lindsay would have been a, a contender in the end she would have beat i think romeo jonathan and mike it just comes down to would she have beaten marianne but i think she was an endgame contender so i think it was the right move yeah and i mean we i i want to say that Lindsay was probably more strategic than we were led on to believe like we saw that she was the person that came up with the idea with the whole Drea vote out is like, she kind of like very much helped Omar figure out that whole plan. So I, I think she, she was like, she had a, a, a big voice in a lot of things that happened strategically. And I think a lot of information that we, we would have heard that at, at the final tribal council had she made it. So I do think she was a big threat. I do think that it was the right move to get her out here. Um, again, though marianne clearly underestimated as nobody knew she had an idol but mike was just willing to save her like that um i guess it was that important to mike to make sure Lindsay went home um so i mean that clearly again just an, another endorsement for Lindsay being very good at the game but also another thing just very very perfectly played by marianne how she was so underestimated yet ended up being you know pulling the strings behind you know a lot of things happening here late in the game yeah, and uh, the other thing that we see at this vote, again, is the whole thing about Mike's idol, which obviously then leads into Marianne not having to play hers, and then she's able to whip it out at the end in a big show, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, this this from Mike, I and again, I don't want to read into the edit too much because we never like to, but this opening segment really just told me, like, this is how Mike loses. Like, this is the, the summary of Mike's game, where he tells Marianne last week when Omer goes, like, look, I, I will play this on you I, I promise if, if I get to, if I get to this next vote, I will play it on you. So we're thinking, okay, great. That, that shows that Marianne has the social capital to get Mike to play it on her. Great. Then we see that he tells Lindsay, I will play on, on you if you need it. And then he tells Jonathan as well, like, Hey, uh, Jonathan says, Hey, if, if I need it, will you use it on me? He's like, yes, absolutely. And I'm like, like, Mike, this is like, this is why you, this is like why you cannot make these promises. Cause again, if your game is built on the honor and loyalty and yes, you admitted that you went back on it, but if your game is built on that, you can't be making these promises. And then especially at final tribal where he says, I lied once to rocks where I'm like, Oh no, this, this is, this is not going to end well for Mike. I mean, this happens all the time in survivor and even in big brother where someone says like, Oh yeah, I'll use the veto on you or you. And then you end up winning the veto and you have to break your word to somebody. So it's just like Mike, honestly, and look, obviously it's tough because we always say the answer in Survivor is always yes. Like you don't want to appear wishy-washy. The answer is always yes. Like you can bounce checks. But the problem is when you're a person of, you know, Mike's background and you're like very honor-based, you can't just be telling Lindsay, Marianne, and Jonathan, I will use it on you. And also Marianne was put in a good spot, Dylan, because Marianne had a secret idol. So she was able to be reactive because everyone knows Mike has his idol. So she's going to wait for him to use his. And based on what he does, she may make a different decision. So she was able to play reactive in that situation. And as soon as he played it on her, in that moment, she realizes, well, I wanted Lindsay to go anyway. I'm safe. He played it on me. So that's social points in my favor. And I'll just pocket my idol and I'll reveal it later. Yeah, it was a great... At first, I was wondering, like, 
well, how did Marianne not play it? It was like, well, she didn't need to play it. And she now she has a souvenir and a big reveal at Final Tribal Council. And you know that big reveals always do well at Final Tribal Council. So it's funny because I was texting you throughout the episode, obviously, but it was so funny as uh, they did the little montage of first Mike promising uh, Lindsay, then Mike going and, and talking about how he promised Marianne last week. And then him and Jonathan are sitting at the table for the reward. And Jonathan's like, all right, listen to me. Will you play it on me if necessary? And he's like, and he's like, look me in the eye. And Mike looks into the eye. And it's like, yes, this was like uh, the, if anyone knows like the Wario meme where he's like, where it's like Mike wins final immunity. He's like, I've won, but at what cost? Like that was, that was literally it. Like, yeah, exactly. and, and it was so funny. Cause he was, Mike was sitting there. He's like, well, now I made a promise to everybody. I don't know what to do. And I, I think that was like, you know, th- at the end of the day, like stuff like that was, was Mike's downfall. Um, not being able to own all this at, at tribal council completely um, at the final tribal council. But yeah, I, I thought, you know, it was like, it was a great arc for Mike. I thought like just watching him like evolve into, you know, just like a straight shooter from the beginning to like realizing he needs to turn up in order to get to the end. And then like, you know, still being at the end of his day, uh, the guy who wants to be honorable, but like doesn't want to admit that he was not honorable. It's just like, it was, it was a great arc in my opinion for Mike. I loved Mike as a character, as a player. I thought he played a great game, although he didn't win. Um, and again, I think, I think, his final tribal council started off very poorly, which is why he didn't end up winning. But I think he kind of recovered nicely. It was just Marianne was just far and away the best one there. Um, and that's the end of the end. Of, at the end of the day, that's the reason why he ended up losing the game. Yeah. And again, we see this in the final tribal as well. And I, I said this to you in the podcast on Sunday, where we both said clearly he has to own his game. I mean, everyone on Twitter will tell you Mike had to own his game to have a shot at winning. But what I also said to you, and he referenced this and the jury kind of just shot him down immediately. He goes like, I only, but I was honorable. I only betrayed people once I was deceived first. And it's like, um, like, like you can't do that because you know, like, you you really struck it high only because of what Omer told you. Nothing really what high did directly. You were all against Chanel when you also voted for Chanel. And then, you know, Omer didn't make any move against you yet. And you try to flip on Omer based on what Jonathan told you. So I, I think you're right. This The idol thing kind of just summarized where Mike attempted to play in a certain way had to go back on it, which is fine in survivor, but then you have to just manage that correctly and own your game and it got to a point where Mike was kind of bouncing those checks and people just were like, we can't co-sign this. And then finally at the end, he realizes like, okay, I wasn't as loyal as I had proclaimed to be. So it was, it was interesting to see his arc in that regard. Right. And then just to move on to the final four here, um, Samotion being Samotion. the final <laughs> challenge, uh, you know, uh, Kelly Wentworth was watching this and uh, had to probably turn it off for the challenge and then turn it back on at the end. Stephen Fishback um, too, yeah. Yeah, uh, and yes, yeah, Stephen Fishback as well. Uh, that being said, um, gotta love Samotion. Always, you always see people make just like, I think the thing about Samotion and the reason why Survivor likes it so much is that anybody could win Samotion, yeah. just like anybody could win Fire anyone could win some ocean. Like we saw Romeo who was not good at a single challenge all year ends up pulling, pulling out some ocean because Mike and Marianne, basically Mike, especially only when one ball was, was rolling. He just literally drops the ball transferring it. It was like, he had it in his head. It wasn't even like he like lost focus. It just like slipped out of his hands. And then you have Marianne who like two balls were rolling and she just like lost focus and then, you know, Jonathan also ends up losing focus, not too far into it. We've seen that go longer than that. Um, and then Romeo just staying there and, you know, that was it. 
Um, I think if there was one challenge that Romeo was able to probably win, it was something like that. So I thought that was interesting that it was Samotion. Um, and obviously one of the main reasons Marianne ends up getting to the end, you know, she would have to go to fire for sure if Romeo, I think if Romeo didn't win. So that was, you know, ended up helping her out a lot, but you know, classic Samotion, Romeo wins and then decides he wants to bring Marianne. We spoke about this a little earlier, send Mike and Jonathan the fire thoughts, your thoughts on the Samotion and then also just, you know, Romeo's general decision, which we spoke about a lot, but yeah. I was also incredibly impressed with Mike and Jonathan's fire making challenge. That was, it was, it was a good one. Yeah. Well, again, that's why we love Samotion because anybody can win and it's all, it's not about like balance. It's not about puzzles or physical. It's literally about focus. Like, are you focusing the whole time? Which I think playing at home, we're all sitting there like, okay, we can do this. It's just kind of going back and forth. But when you're out there for 39, 26 days and your lack of sleep, lack of food, lack of water, like you're just exhausted. It's going to be, it's got to be very hard. The reason why I was laughing while you were talking was because <laughs> I've never seen Jeff roast these people. Like Mike and Marianne just possibly lost a shot at a million bucks, even though they end up placing first and second. But he's like, you guys lost at one ball and we're not even at the hard part yet. People at home are watching this. Kids could do this. I'm like, Jeff, can you calm down? Like just roasting them. And then like, you're right where, you know, they lose with one ball and they kind of just lose focus. Jonathan, I was saying the whole time during that challenge, I think Jonathan's got it. Cause he's cautiously looking and placing the balls at the right moment. He's um, his spacing is great. But what, if you notice what happened was, when they were adding the fourth ball or whatever it was, he was so focused on that spacing that he's like, obviously you're like, right, left, right, left. And then he goes to put the ball in and he looks at the wrong shoot. And then it comes out the other shoot. And, and like he, in that one second, it was over. So like you, the person who wins this Romeo, who never won anything, like you said, you have to just focus the whole time. That's all you have to do. And it's funny because they kept showing Jonathan going like this the whole time to like go right, left, right, left. And then he ends up screwing it up, which, which is which was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I <laughs> love, love some motion. And, and also another tidbit of info there. We got we got the history of some motion yeah. in the middle of the challenge. So, Jeff, uh, not only you, you know, you know, that I'm pretty sure they, they practice the challenge before they actually run it. So, you mm-hmm. know, they either had like the same thing happen in the practice and like they couldn't do it in practice, and then Jeff was like, "Oh God!" And then they failed again, or they had a really good practice round, and then a bad actual round, and Jeff was like, "Oh," because you know Jeff envisioned Samotion being some long thing where there's five balls going at once, and there's three different people competing, or at least two going far, and then you have Mike and Marianne drop immediately, <laughs> and Jeff starts ripping them completely. There are kids at home that could do this. That that was that was a little uh, a little rough because. Uh, you know, Mike and Marianne obviously were both very disappointed. That was, that was pretty funny. Um, and yeah, uh, the history of Samotion. We find out that Samotion was invented in Survivor China. Somebody, I believe, on production who didn't who didn't have anything to do just kind of created this for fun. Yeah, so it, it's called Samotion because I think the guy was Simo or Simo, and he created it in China. They didn't end up using it, of course, but they I guess he was in the challenge department or on production, and I guess he was making it. And then they decided to use it in token genes, and we've seen it in token genes. We saw it in Cambodia. We've seen it in David versus Goliath. I think it's a great final challenge. I know we talked about last week how you know we love the old school like big epic challenges they used to do at the end which now they kind of moved that to, to the final five challenge and then final four is more of like the focusing challenge um but i'm not gonna lie i, I think some motion to end it off is, is pretty exciting honestly 
Yeah, yeah, I, I like it as well. Uh, and and then obviously uh, we had the great fire making challenge between Mike and Jonathan. Mike, Mike, uh, like we said on the on the podcast on Sunday, like at the end of the day, he is a firefighter, and once he got a flame. <laughs> that was not going it was like john you know i think a big thing with the fire making is once you get that first flame you have to make it you know nurture it and just make sure it immediately good you know he had a he had a huge fire like that was a massive fire and if it weren't for the winds like blowing it half the time it could have been uh it could have been a quicker victory for him um but i think him being a firefighter like that was one of the reasons why once he got the flame he was just able to do that so quickly without accidentally putting it out um so that, that was that was pretty cool just as a firefighter to be able to win the fire making challenge as well yeah i i mean listen at this point i know wendell's at this once but i think orange is cursed like you don't if there's an orange station you you <laughs> don't want to be sitting at it like immediately go to the other station and it was weird because they showed jonathan look over at the stations twice and i thought that was just an interesting thing but yeah no mike did a great job at the fire i mean we were talking about this before but you know it's a classic trope where the person who's not gonna fire or who's like good at fire like Mike, but not as good as Jonathan, they end up, they end up, you know, beat winning in the underdog spot. I mean, you know, famously Mike White was like, I'm never going to beat Kara at this fire making because I suck at it. And then he beats her. Like, he, I mean, in any moment, any person can win. I mean, even last season, Deshaun and Heather went back and forth like for minutes before somebody won. So it was kind of cool to see Mike triumph in that regard, the firefighter winning the fire challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, just before we even get to final tribal, like Romeo's decision here to send Mike, well, again, Mike knew he was going into fire. Mike was very blatant and said, I know you're sending me because I'm a threat. I'm a likable threat. I've been on the chopping block for a while. You're sending me. And we mentioned this before the podcast, but I thought I want to give Mike some credit here because he was kind of astute going to Romeo and saying like, look, you probably want to put me in fire with Marianne because we're both likable. We both could beat you potentially. You probably can beat Jonathan more. So why don't you put us in fire? One of us is going to go home no matter what, and you have a better shot. Whereas if you send me and Jonathan and I win, you have two likable people next to you. And uh, Romeo didn't take the advice. And I, and we said he made the wrong move taking Marianne and, that's i mean we here's the problem though we can't say that's what cost him because last season what we talked about at length was if xander took heather and it was xander heather and deshaun would xander have won i think the answer is no i think deshaun would have won in that regard so i don't think xander would have won anyway but xander had a good shot to win the the fair thing here is that i don't think romeo was going to win anyway so it didn't really matter but he ended up giving marianne that win there so not the best choice in that regard yeah, I, I think Mike had it down to a T, and like that's what that's what should have been the should have been the thought process. Like, obviously, he wanted Marianne to go to fire against him because he wanted to take Marianne out. But like, even even though he was thinking in his his best interest, like that's what should have been done. Like, they were the two most likely to win, so you put them the fire. I, I think that the theory of um, players always say this that go on. A lot of players, I think, overweight. Like Romeo said, it he wanted to take Marianne because he thought that they had played similar games. So like he thought he could pitch his game similar game over hers. First of all, complete misread. Really play similar games. Second of all, like I think it's overrated to think that way. Like you just take the. It doesn't matter if they play the same game. Just take the people with the least likely chance to win and bring them with you. Like to me, it's not that deep. <laughs> That's just at least how I think. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a, a discussion that people have had. Do you take somebody that you can better differentiate yourself against, or do you take somebody who you played a similar game to, but you played a superior superior game? And I, I think you actually agree with Adam Klein, because Adam Klein just spoke to Rob last week on their podcast, and Adam said, like, I've never understood that that whole thing about trying to differentiate like differentiate yourself in that regard. Like, it, it, you, you're taking the person that you think you can beat, and I don't think it has to be that, you know, granular in a way. So I, it, I think it's an interesting discussion, but again, perce like, perception, perception is a big thing here. They didn't play a similar game. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It just, to me, it doesn't make any sense when anybody does that. I mean, we, it, it was a complete mystery. It's as simple as that. Uh, now, is there anything else we want to go over before we get to like the reunion show? Is there anything from the final tribal council? I know we've discussed like a lot about that, um, like about you know Marianne winning, Mike coming in second. Mm -hmm. We spoke about final tribal council. Is there anything that we missed that we wanted to talk about before we hit the hit the reunion show? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I want to say is you know the, the jury. I mean, the jury. I think we the jury speak segment where we kind of got each of the jury's thoughts before final tribal was great. It reminded me of old school Survivor. You and I both loved it. People on Twitter loved it. Getting to hear what the final three thought about each of the um, each of the uh, each of the final three because we didn't get Ponderosa, so we didn't get any thoughts in that regard. So I loved getting to hear the jury say okay. And granted, I'm sure they were feeding them lines like okay. Romeo's not going to win, but tell us why he could win. Like, I, mean, I, I, I still liked hearing them say, you know, Romeo did do this. Marianne did this. Mike did this. And I really loved hearing that from the jury. And this is the other thing that I was referencing earlier that I thought Mike Bloom and Peridium were really good on. And I, I would love to hear, hear your thoughts on this as well, Dylan. Obviously, every jury member has their own rubric. Like Mike has said that every single jury member, whether they're from, you know, this season, they're from Samoa, they're from um, Borneo, they all have a, a personal rubric of what they want to grade you on and who they want to vote for to win. And everybody's criteria is different. So you need to figure out what that jury member cares about. And if you play a great game, how do you kind of cater to those rubrics in a way to really put yourself in the best spot to get their vote? That's one thing. But the other thing is that, and this is not official, obviously, but there's usually like a theme to the jury like there's always like a, an overarching theme in a way and like if you go back to all stars obviously the theme was like friendships that was the first time former players have played together and like lex was hurt kathy was hurt like alicia was hurt like it was a very raw personal final tribal and that was a theme it was like a relationships last season you would remember the theme was like awareness they were like xander were you aware about how you came off to people and you were disingenuous deshaun were you aware like shan said that you like whined a lot and you were annoying where so i think awareness was the theme of last season i think this season the theme was like agency like okay marianne like what like this, the moves you made like this was a very game heavy cast like hi drea omer tori chanel this is a very game heavy cast and i think you might agree when it comes to agency like okay romeo you were an underdog the whole time you didn't have a lot of agency and then Marianne, you made moves. What was your agency? And same thing for Mike. So I, th I think that's an interesting way to think about how the jury thought and how the jury asked them these questions. I, I yeah, I agree with that. And I also want to give the the four uh, the forty two cast here a lot of credit for their for them. Like they, even though they were like tough on Mike, nobody was getting completely ripped to shreds at final tribal. And I know why. You know, an old school survivor. Some people may like that. You know, some people do that and have all these speeches and go on rants. I like when the jury completely understands the game and is going to be, um, and is going to is going to vote correctly. I should say, like you felt like everyone asking questions on the jury, um, had a good idea of what question. Like 
all of them were good questions that we saw. So that was, I think, a big thing. Like, there was nothing that I was sitting there like, oh, that's so unfair that they asked them that. It was unfair that they did this. I thought everything that they asked was, it, it made sense, and it should have been asked. So I think they did a good job of asking questions. Obviously, they did a good job of, you know, selecting the right winner. I think Marianne deserved to win. Um, I just think that the 42 cast had a very good understanding of the game, whereas, you know, last season it was, it was a little bit tough to watch. I think that a lot of the jury last season was very bitter coming in and Xander got a little unfairly treated in my opinion. So I just think I don't like when players are just unfairly harsh just to be harsh. Cause they're, they could, um, I thought that, so yeah, that's what I liked about this jury. So, um, I want to give them credit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll co-sign that in a way because you know, we, we, we saw it. I mean, we physically saw, when high left when drea leaves when omer leaves they're they're kind of all laughing in a way they kind of say hey you got me game respects game i'd love to see it i'm voting for the best player no hard feelings um and i mean and listen and i i do love when casts are that close and i love when casts can respect the game i mean obviously you know millennials versus gen x is a cast that's still very close to this day they all kind of respect the game respects game and again this cast was laughing and kind of smiles after blind sides happen so they really took the game seriously and i do love that you know obviously you still have your rocks Roy's who don't really care about the game but overall these players wanted to you know award again that they came in saying i'm undecided i want to vote for the person who will best represent our season which i think is very commendable yeah, for sure. And now we'll get to the reunion show, which I want to go over fast. Um, I thought that this reunion show was a lot more enjoyable than the 41 reunion show. Again, this was a better season. There was a better cast, so it makes sense. Personally, I didn't love the 41 reunion show. Um, this one I thought worked a little bit better. I, I always feel badly because, you know, in a live reunion show right after the votes are read, you feel badly for Mike because Mike kept saying the whole time how he expected to win. He had high expectations for himself. And then he has to talk, you know, about about the game, about everything right after he's so fresh out of the game, right after the final vote happens, right after he loses. And same for Romeo. And that, that, that you know, that's not great to see. Um, but Mike took this incredibly well. I thought he was like so well-spoken and so like nice to Marianne and happy for Marianne. And that was great to see. Um, my thing with the, I, I think that this reunion show, personally, I I know that, um, I would rather have a live reunion show. Simple as that. And I know there, there was an article that came out, I believe it was by Dolan Ross this week, that said that live reunion shows are done, at least for the recent, at least in the near future, they're done. Um, and we're going to be seeing, you know, Jeff says he feels confident in having the reunion shows right after. He likes that format. Um, again, does it mean that we're never going to have a live reunion show again? I don't think so. I think that it, it's possible to have it in the future, but I think that it's unlikely. Um, the thing is that will Jeff listen to the, listen to what the people want or will he not? Like you said, he does listen to some feedback. It's like edge of extinction. All right. He heard the feedback. People hated 38, but up they were already filming season 40 at that time. So there was nothing they could do about it. Um, so that's the type of thing is like a few years from now, will he say, all right, we tried it. We tried it for five or six seasons. It didn't work out as well as we thought it would. Now we're going to go back to live. Do I think that's possible? Of course. It's like the same thing as the 26 days. And we could get into this on a podcast probably a week or two from now about what's going to come back and what's not. But it's the same thing with the 26 days. Right now they're keeping the 26 days because of COVID protocols and stuff like that. Uh, because it's probably cheaper for them to do 26 days. It's easier with the international cast. It's easier with the back-to-back -back seasons. Um, it's less time that 
each cast member needs to dedicate to the show. So do I think that they're going to stick to 26 in the near future? Yes. But if people push hard enough for 39, maybe one day it'll come back. Who knows? They could do whatever they want. But yeah, the thing with the live, the, the, the live reunion show that I think is different is I think that players have such a, they have, you know, about a year to reflect on everything that happened. So while Jeff kind of pitches that this is more raw, I think that not everything is, it, it's not well thought out, right? It's like, they're, they're just getting out of the game. They don't really have time to think about it. It's just, they're going right into it. So I think that not only with the live reunion show, do you get to hear things that have happened since the show, you get to see everyone dressed up and everyone a year later and everyone, the winner celebrating with their family. Like that's all great. And I love that. Um, and that's why I love the live reunion show here. It's like, all right, you don't get to see any of that. You don't get to see the pre-merge people, which is that sucks for them. And then also like you don't get reactions that are exactly, I don't want to say accurate, but you don't get, in my opinion, the best answers that you possibly could because like Mike had to be like completely in a trance after you just lose last season, Xander, we know, and Deshaun were in a trance after you just, you lose survivor. You just dedicated 26 days, worked so hard. And then you lose. It's just like, it's tough to get good answers in my opinion, right there. Um, I think it's easier to get, to get answers from the people who've been at Ponderosa for a few days. But I think that live reunion has a lot of perks that I wish that they would, you know, go back to that personally. Yeah, I mean, personally, I would love to get back to live reunions and live winner reveals. Like that's what we, but that's basically what we've done from season two. Borneo, obviously, like this season and last season, was out on the island, but from season two on, it, it's it's what we remember it being a live reunion, live reaction to the winner, big audience, and I think we all love it. And I think maybe we could see it back someday. I, if I had to like be just be honest though, I feel like first and foremost, even though we love Survivor for the game it is a TV show and it is production and it is part of the network and CBS has their costs and everything like that. And if it's cheaper for them or if it's more convenient for them to film 26 days to kind of save 13 days of filming, if it's better to do it right there while they're all there already, um, I, they might just keep doing it if it's simpler for them, honestly. And I hate to say that, but it might just be in their best interest for the network. Um, but I do see your point as well, where like, obviously it is very raw when you do it right afterwards. Like obviously Jeff loves the raw feelings and likes that emotion. You get the first thoughts right out of the game. But I do feel like if these people are a bit shell-shocked afterwards, like maybe give them like, I'm not saying like wait a week, but like maybe like give them a day or two, let them go back to Ponderosa for like 24 hours, 48 hours, let them just like breathe for a second and then maybe give their thoughts while they're still on the island before you fly back home i don't know maybe there's, there's like a good hybrid in the middle but i mean i do see arguments on both sides of the aisle of like full-on live reunions are great you know this new format's cool but gotta fix this gotta fix that so i mean we'll see what happens again I like you mentioned i do think they take some feedback not all of it but hopefully after they get more part more of this new era under their belt they kind of keep getting feedback yeah, um, and just to go over some things that we heard in the reunion show that I think are worth kind of maybe touching on a little bit. Sure. Um, we we did go over the thing that you know the jersey says that the jury says they were kind of leaning Mike until Marianne. Like that's a tough thing to hear in my opinion. After that, um, and then you have they went over kind of the advantages, Drea's the amulets. Hilarious that Roxroy uh, just had no idea about the phrases, even though they kept repeating them. I mean, like like you said, they got to have a oh, Roxroy on every oh season at this point because it is so funny to hear to see like the old school. Like this guy is literally from season five, and they just placed him right on the season. And it's so funny to watch. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff literally said, "Okay, in the moment, 
who was confused like like was marianne just saying a phrase for strategy or was she just delusional and like you had like four people raise their hands and then he's like all right now who is still confused about that and rock is the only one to be like i have no idea what's going on right now rock could rock could care less I, I saw someone say this on twitter I, I wish i could give them credits but i forgot um someone was like yo rock is probably so upset to hear that the final five had to go into a new camp he probably was like wait they got to build a whole new shelter. They got to start over again. Rockstar was probably so salty he didn't get to do that. So that's what Rockstar cares about. Yeah, and that was that was hilarious. Um, hearing like the inside info about Lindsay's supposed to be on Fire Forty One and yeah. then positive for COVID. I believe Tiffany was the one that replaced her because Tiffany yep. was like, "I got a last second call." Like that was that was pretty cool to see. Um, then we got some uh, propaganda for uh, the new era of Survivor. Okay, we get it. Like Jeff, Jeff loves a new era. Obviously, the players are not going to give bad feedback right there and then and there. Um, then, uh, yeah, we had the interesting moment of Omer comparing, uh, bringing, uh, comparing, like making animal comparisons for the final three, which seems like a kind of typical weird uh, reunion question. But some, but I, I don't know. It's just it's it's so weird to see this all happen right after the game in my opinion it brought me back because back in uh kim spradlin's uh one world um pre-game press or whatever it was you know kim is very it, it was very weird and I'll, I'll tell you a funny story in a second but like kim was saying in her pre-game video like i saw like my, my fellow castmates or whatever and this is who i think this is what animals they look like and everybody was like who is this woman? Like, she's so weird. Like, why is she saying like, cat looks like this. Troyzan looks like that. Like, what are you doing? And everyone. <laughs> and again, I remember back in the day, they, they, people were like, okay, she's not going to do well. She's weird. And then Kim Spradlin's one of the best players to play the game. So it's like, it, it kind of just proves to us that you can't always take everything in these, you know, pregame interviews or whatever at face value. Cause like when you're in the game, like Jeff said, I saw Marianne, thought she was great personality for the show but i didn't think she had the gamer chops in her and she came to play and she had a really great end game so this just kind of shows to kind of segue back to this like you never know how someone's going to do in the game but no I, I listen as somebody who loves omer and i know you love omer too and i'm sure we'll see omer back I, I loved seeing jeff go to omer the most like even my um even my sister who she watched um she didn't watch the whole season she watched part of it she was like like he's really smart. Like Jeff keeps going to him. Like he knows the game very well. So it's like I was glad to see Omer get a lot of screen time in the uh, reunion. Yeah, yeah, I love to see it. And then the last thing we could talk about quickly is, uh, and again, everyone who's watching right now, thank you. Uh, throw throw a like, uh, hit the like button on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Really helps us out. Also, just ask any questions you have because we're yep. about to get to questions. Yep. Um, but the preview forty three, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I think that what I kind of got a vibe for um with the 43 preview and again it's just two minutes of uh of tv of a season that i don't even think they finished filming yet um it's like this see the reason this season was so good is because you had so many great personalities and so many great characters i kind of got a sense that 43 is going to have a lot of great personalities as well and that's pretty much my only take on that and that's a good thing yeah i mean again we'll, we'll talk about this in a second because I, I know we saw one or two comments and questions on this but very fun season in terms of the cast so if you can capture that same energy where this is a very fun new cast like they, they it's a fun cast they have personality so that they're not all game bots but they have personality too and they kind of co they have good cohesion you get a great season. Like the cast always comes first. Like we, we always used to say back in the day, like you shouldn't make a theme and try to shoehorn people into the theme. You should get your cast and then figure out like what you can do with that cast. Um, and I think that's kind of why Jeff has said in this new era, we don't want to 
shoehorn them into a theme. You want to kind of make them define the theme in a way. But yeah, 43 to your point, we didn't see anything about any advantages. There was no mention of it. There was no like clip of shot in the dark. Now we know from Jeff's interview with Dalton Ross, like you referenced, we know certain things will come back and we'll talk about this in a um, off season podcast, but like, you know, um, you know, we don't know about like do or die or stuff, but we know that like shot in the dark might come back or whatever it is. But this was all about the characters. And again, I thought it was very cool to see, you know, a very unique cast. I saw some really interesting people that I want to hear more from, um, you know, the one thing that we did see was like a silhouette of somebody holding a machete. I don't know what that's referencing. And maybe that's the monster, but essentially, <laughs> uh, it was just cool to see all these characters. You know, obviously we had that we had the, the woman who, um, she, she, she had a, um, what's, I, I want to use the proper term. She had the, um, like she, um, she had an amputated leg. Thank, yeah, thank uh, you. She, yeah, she had an amputated yeah. leg. And she I think she's the third person that is on Survivor like that. Obviously, we had Chad in Vanuatu, and then we had uh, Kelly B in Nicaragua. Um, so it's kind of cool to see uh, her um, uh, on the show and kind of represent, you know, that part of the population as well. But then my other favorite person that I got to see, I don't know any of the names yet, but was the woman who was like, you know, there's a line I wouldn't cross in this game. And then she's like, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's something I, would, I wouldn't do. Like, like I, that's, what, that's what I want to see. Obviously, I don't know who it was because they didn't show it, but I love the first line of the trailer that was like, uh, it was not a matter of when I, uh, of if I was going to play survivors when. So I was like, I, I got a vibe that we're going to get some really cool characters, and I'm happy about that. But let's get to questions. Yeah. Um, all right. Here we go. So first question, Ryan, if you find one before me, feel free to put it up. Um, all righty. Looking through here. Yeah, I, I know we have a lot of questions, and then we also have some good comments as well. So um, I might go back up to the top if I can't find any questions, but let's see. Um, well, well, I mean, while you're looking for the questions, though, and I see a lot of comments that are talking about, you know, Marianne's win and how how I think she played a great game, how it was a, re a really good season. You know, people are mentioning how, you know, she had a great final tribal performance. Um, and then obviously people are referencing Romeo. Um people are referencing like Romeo making a, a bad decision, which again, I think we pointed out it was not a great choice for him, but he probably, probably was like, screw it. This isn't like Tony and Wu. Like Romeo was not going to win either way. It wasn't like Wu who lost by taking the wrong person. Uh, but I got, I got a question here okay, sure. from, uh, from uh, the Ohio state for the win. He says, who do you think would have won a Marianne, Lindsay and Mike final three? I'm going to say that Marianne, I'm going to say Marianne wins still, but again, I, we don't really, we can't tell how much the jury really liked Lindsay. Uh, I think Marianne still wins, but I think it's like a close, like uh, if I, if that happens, I think that the vote is something like uh five to one or four, three, one Marianne. Does that make sense? Is that, is that where you lean there? It makes sense. I think it's weird to think about because you and I had said on the Sunday podcast, this is probably the least likely combination to get there. Um, because in what scenario do we lose Romeo and Jonathan in the next two votes? But I, I, I do see your point in like five, two, one. I think that breakdown does make some sense. I, I think it does come again back to the final tribal performance. Like if this jury is being, you know, genuine, which I think they are, they seem to be on the fence in terms of who would win. And it might come down to, who articulated their game the best. And if Marianne gave the same performance, she did very well. Mike gave the same performance. It would come down to does Lindsay top Marianne 
or do people also say like Lindsay, we don't really know what you did in the game what did you do i think it would have been a closer vote instead of seven to one i think to your point because this could have been five two one it could have been um could, could it have even been like four three one like we don't know but i do think marianne still would have won the game but it had the potential to be closer i think yeah i agree um, and then we have from uh, Kai Yang here. Okay. He, he says, uh, Mike performed horribly at Final Tribal Council. Why blame some members of the jury for your actions? Just say you went against your word uh, only to eliminate bigger threats. So I, so here's the thing. I slightly disagree with uh, calling it a horrible performance. I think that it, it started off slow and then it picked up at the end. I think that for Mike, he needed to start strong. Because once he started slow, it was like everyone was kind of like, eh, I don't know if he completely gets it. Maybe we're just not getting it out of him. Um, I also didn't get the sense that he really blamed the jury for his actions. I think it was just like the re- like it was just him discussing like his reaction, like his moves were a reaction to what the jury did. I don't think I don't think he really was blaming the jury. Um, and again, I don't think he performed horribly. I think it was just a slow start, and that's and that's ultimately why Marinette was able to get the upper leg here. I, I think the one thing about Ka's comment that I would agree on is I, I wouldn't say like that he blamed the jury, but this is what I was saying earlier where he did say like, look, I, I didn't really lie until I was broken. Uh, you broke your word to me first, like until I felt deceived, which I mean, that logically makes sense if it's true. And I think like, for example, I think, I think a perfect example is like with Daniel, like Daniel, he told Daniel back in the pre-merge, and I think you would agree the pre-merge stuff doesn't really matter at this point. Like, obviously you want to play a good game the whole way through. Like that means you're very well-rounded, but it, it kind of just means like, what did you do like at the merge or like right before the merge? And then what did you do to the end? Like, I don't think the, the votes with Daniel, Mariah, um, like Zach, I don't think those have any effect on the end game, but like the one thing I'll agree with Mike on is like when he tells Daniel in confidence I found this advantage and Daniel runs and tells Chanel and then Chanel tells everyone else, Mike has a reason to be mad at Daniel because Daniel broke his trust. And then when Mike wants to vote out Daniel, that makes sense. The part that I think Ka is saying is like blaming the, the members of the jury. Mike can't sit there and say, I only struck once you struck me first. And it's like, that's not true for Chanel. That's not true for High. It's not really true for Omer either. So that's kind of where it gets convoluted. And then, of course, this kind of just compounds in the fact that, you know, he he can't sit there and say, oh, well, I only lied to Roxroy. That's my only fault. And then Lindsay and Jonathan and uh, Marianne can all stand up and say, you told all of us you would use the idol on us. So it's just interesting to see how that does. But, yeah, I don't think Mike did horrible. I think Mike did a good job. I just think Marianne was a lot better at sh- showcasing her game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have another question here from uh, the Ohio State uh, for the win. He says, Mike made fire pretty quickly. Do either of you know who has made fire the quickest in a fire making challenge? I'm not sure. And I wonder if that stats out there. I don't know if that stats out there. Um, it seemed pretty quick. I'm not sure if I remember like anything going much quicker, but at the same time, it's hard to read because everything is edited into a, into a short five, seven minute segment. So the only time you could really tell that nobody could do it is like season 30 when they're just giving them Flint or whatever and whatever, I, I you know, you know, where, where they tell you it's, it's, it's going really long. So I think it's hard. For example, Tony and Sarah had it, it both them did really well in the fire making, but that was like a kind of back and forth race. Um, but like, I don't know how quick or slower that Tony and Sarah did it compared to Mike and Jonathan. Like, I, I don't know, but Mike did seem to do it pretty fast. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Ohio State's backup comment that like you, we we know like when it goes long. Like we don't really they don't show us like when it takes five seconds. Uh, we know when like in Cook Islands it takes like an hour. They break through all their flint and stuff, and then they have to go to matches. And Jeff's like so pissed off with them. Um, but like I, I think the only way to find out is like if you were to ask like Jeff or you were to like ask some people on other seasons or like you were to ask like people like that have background knowledge and say like oh. Yeah, no, like the uh, the Tony Saro one apparently lasted ten minutes, or this one with Mike lasted fifteen. Like it, it, this obviously was not one of the longer ones. Like this didn't last an hour, but I, I think there's a way maybe to figure out which one was the quickest. But I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, I do. Uh, so from Christian here, he wants a petition for uh, thirty nine days of Survivor. Uh, if, you right. wanna, if you want, if you want, if you want to create the petition, Christian, I'll I'll, I'll sign it. But uh, I, I gotta say, I'm happy to just have Survivor in season forty two. That's what Look. I'm saying. Here's what I'll say, and, and and maybe, and again, I also want 39 days. Obviously, I I would like a good amount of stuff from the old school era. Obviously, some good or some good new school stuff. Um, but I would love 39 days. In in actuality, though, I mean, and I've said this before, Dylan. Like, if they didn't tell us, like, if they didn't tell us this was 20, 26 days, and they didn't say like, okay, this is day 25, and like this like, weren't these the 26 hardest days of survivor if they didn't keep harping on it and they just never told us and they said like in like post hey by the way this is 26 days we would have never known it was, it's this, the season is the same length of tv episodes it's still 12 13 episodes as it always has been and you know people you know like the, like the, obviously they look a bit more disheveled as the game goes on unless they tell us we're not going to know if it's 39 days so while i agree with christian i also would like 39 days back as long as they don't keep harping on 26 as the number and they just say like, it's a hard game. I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world though. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So this is, uh, let's see. I feel like somebody had this question. All right. If not, I'm just going to put this, uh, this comment up here. Uh, Ohio state says I would rank the season in the top 20 out of 42 seasons. And if not for the twist, I would rank it in the top 10 or top 15. I do think this is a top 10 newbie cast. Um, I agree that it would rank in the top 20 for me. It's definitely the top half for me. I think that also some, so some seasons age and better than others. And the reason yes. why they age better than others is because for example, like uh, Token Chains was a great season, but when you realize like the legends that are produced, it's like, oh, well, now it's even better because this is the first time that you get to see Coach, you get to see Tyson, you get to see Fishback, you get to see JT. It's the first time you get to see all these people play Survivor, and it's like their origin story almost. Whereas now it's hard to kind of tell. And this is kind of, I think, the same way for a lot of the players in the 30s is like, like we have not seen the end of these players' arcs yet, at least a lot of them, I don't think. Um, and Jeff even mentioned he wishes he could bring all of Survivor 42 back. I think that a lot of them in the future will be back. So it's like if if uh, Omer, for example, goes on to become a Survivor legend, he finishes in the top five one more time, and then he finally wins, or he wins and finishes in the top three, and you know becomes a Survivor legend. Then yeah, obviously everyone's gonna look back to the season and be like, well, this is the first time we saw Omer. How awesome was that? regardless great newbie cast i think it definitely ranks in the top 20 for me yeah i mean again the season just ended like an hour or two ago like obvious obviously it's hard to kind of rank it in the moment I, and again people will always say rankings are subject to change i mean dalton ross in it like either tonight or tomorrow he's gonna have his new season ranking so i'll be curious to know where he ranks it um 
But like for me, like quick fire thoughts after the season, and I'm sure as the postseason goes on and Dylan and I do more offseason coverage before 43, we'll go over this again. But this is definitely in my top 20. I think if this is top half or bottom half, I don't know how, uh, unless you're just looking for reasons to hate, to hate the show at this point, you can't say it's bottom half. This is an amazing cast. I agree with the comment that this is a top 10 newbie cast. I did the math this morning, I think, out of 42 seasons, 29 of them have been all new casts. Then you have like the returnees, you have like the half and halves, but like a good chunk of them have obviously been new casts. This is, I think, easily top 10 newbie cast. I can make an argument this is like top eight or six. Like obviously Pearl Islands comes to mind, Kagiyan comes to mind, David versus Goliath comes to mind, Millennials Gen X. This is up there with the newbie casts. Everybody minus like one or two, everybody brought something to the table and they would be fun to see back. And in terms of ranking the season, I thought it had a great winner. I thought in terms of episodes, like were the episodes fun to watch? There was like maybe one or two slow ones in the pre-merge but like from the lydia vote uh, ever since uh omer turned on the jets with the lydia vote on it got very exciting the, the end game was very fun um I, obviously i can't put it in the top you know five or top like 10 because obviously if there's any bad twists like eoe or do or die i have to, I have to dock at the points of course but if you if i end up saying this is like my top 20 this is my top 15 i, I would agree i thought this was a very great season right i agree uh, we have a question from UNC Andre here. He says, let's say that season 48 is going to be another all-star season. Which three to four folks from this season do you think would be chosen for that? And which would he want to be chosen? This is Great an interesting question. question. And I think that we're going to end up dedicating an entire podcast to it. That being said, I'll give you a quick preview of what we think. Of course, uh, Ryan, do you want to go first here? Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just quickly say it. And like you mentioned, we'll go over it in, um, in the uh what's it called in the uh, postseason but um the three that i think would be chosen and the three that i want to be chosen are the ones that is actually the alliance that went out back to back to back i think the combo of high drea and omer that combo that was actually working together and then it kind of fell apart those three are ones who played super hard had a great reaction to being voted out didn't take it hard and i think they would be crazy not to bring at least two or of those three people back yeah i think so i think ryan you brought up a really good point uh you said you think that you know it it seems like jeff probes is really harping on this new era so you would think that they're probably going to keep doing newbie seasons for at least a couple more seasons um i would think at least we know 43 is all newbies i would think 44 is going to be all newbies and then 45, 46 is where we may start to see something with returnees, um, maybe even 47 or 48. So like like UNC Andre says here, let's say season 48 is an all-star season. Before I get into the three or four players that I think could come back, because again, I, we're, we could do a whole podcast on who from 41 and who from 42 we yeah. think are going to be back. That's definitely will be an off-season podcast for sure. Um, I think that Survivor is giving themselves a lot of possibilities if they do – they're giving themselves a lot of different possibilities if they do like five or six seasons of new players, because you got to keep in mind, most of the players in the thirties, other than the winners that were on winners at war, we have not seen play a second time. A lot of them. So like, okay, you had your Joe Anglums who played a zillion times in the thirties. You had your David Wrights who got two chances. You had obviously the few winners, Michelle, Nick, uh, Adam who played a uh, Wendell who played again in winners at war. But there's still some legendary players that we have not seen come back. And I know you brought up this idea, Ryan. I would not be surprised if we see some kind of new era, old era season somewhere in between here. Um, 
where we have a lot of your players like Christian and Dom and uh, Angelina and uh, anybody else who is really like great in the 37, uh, 30 range, come back and play the new players in the 40s. That would be amazing. I hope that they do something like that. I don't want the players who are great in the 30s to... Um, I don't want the players in the thirties to suffer because COVID happened and they just happened to have a new era. I hope that they get their chance to play again. So I'm, I'm like looking forward to a lot of these players from the thirties playing. It's just like, it'll be awesome to see them play the players from the new season. That being said, uh, which three to four do I think will be chosen? I think Omer and Drea definitely get chosen. I think that Marianne, I think has a good chance to come back, but it depends if they do something if it depends if they include winners on it. Cause obviously some returnees, they don't want to include winners. Some they do. So if they include winners, I could easily see her coming back. Um, I would also say if I just go down the list here, I think Mike doesn't really have another chance just because he, his age. Um, I think Lindsay has is a little bit further down on the list. I think high has a decent chance. Um, I, I think that the two definites are Omer and Drea personally. Those are like my two locks. And then I think I even think somebody like Tori could, could come back. I, this is, this is an interesting point that we could talk about. Um, But in, I don't know if uh, anybody saw the exit interviews, Uh, not, not exit interviews, but there was a jury interview before like interviewing players with a jury. And they were asked like, who's your favorite player that was at Ponderosa with. And like every single person said Tori. So like, all right, there's clearly a disconnect with the player that we saw out on survivor um and the player that she actually and like the person she actually is so i think that you know there's still a side of tori that we didn't see yet if people really liked her if she ended up maybe on a different tribe then things go differently so i would not be surprised if we even see somebody like her back i think jonathan could come back because i mean we it's very rare that jeff probst lets somebody let somebody snuff basically snuff their own torch and say the tribe has spoken he let Drea do it and he let Jonathan do it. I think that's pretty telling. I think Jonathan will definitely be back. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you bring up some good points and I can't wait to dive like more into this in the uh, off season. Yeah, we have uh, Adrienne here. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can maybe see a Chanel come back, but it's still justice for Jenny Kemp for me. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I, I will agree with this. Like, obviously they can call it like a, like a, a future, like, in this new era, they can call it like second chance. They can call it like whatever they want. Like, but yeah, someone like Jenny has to come back. Cause like, to your point, um, the two questions they asked the jurors in that interview, I, I saw the one you were referencing. I was surprised to see them all say Tori. I think that does prove Tori's point that, you know, she, you perceive her one way. And then when you get to meet her, you obviously get to really get to know her. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe speaks well to if she comes back, but everybody also said who, like who from the pre-merge, like, would you like to hang out with, you know, since they weren't there and everyone's like, yo, Jenny, bring Jenny back. Like, (laughs) and I, we said this preseason where I was like, you know, obviously I think Jenny, you know, she could be in some danger in the pre-merge, but I told you, if she could just slide past a couple of votes, I think she could go far. And obviously she just couldn't escape that crazy tribal council that happened with Daniel. But yeah, I would love to see like, yeah, to your point, Jenny, Chanel, anyone that we mentioned, like a lot of people are great candidates to come back from the season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So from Adrienne here, we have, uh, where would you rank Marianne on your winner rankings? Yeah, this is something I have to go through. Uh, First instinct, I would say she's a mid-tier winner for me, I think. I, I, I've Again, I think she's a very good winner. She had a great move. She basically, I, I think, so here's the problem with comparing the winners of 41 and 42 with the rest, is that it feels like in the new era of Survivor, 
it's going to be very hard to have a dominant winner. So I'm not sure that we're, and, and, and the editing this season was also a lot more balanced. So I don't think we're ever going to see like a, uh, and I forgot who said this. I, I was listening to a podcast that, that said something like this. Um, I forgot whose it was. So my bad on that. That being said, like the days of watching Kim Spradlin completely dominate the game, I think are over. But then again, it's like with this new error, it's like, well, maybe it, maybe since nobody knows what it is, like maybe there's going to be that new player who finally figures it all out and just masters it. And that'll be our dominant winner for the new error. I don't know. So it's kind of hard to rank. You kind of get what I mean. It's like, she wasn't a dominant winner, but she was a very, very good winner. I just don't know if that's fair to say, because it's hard, it's hard to have a dominant winner in such a fast paced game like this with so many twists. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I personally think it's, it's, it's easier to kind of rank seasons than it is to rank winners. Cause obviously then you can, you can compare the cast to each other. You can compare the winner to each other. You can compare the, uh, the twists, the, um, the stories. So I think it's hard to rank winners. And again, like I mentioned with the season question from Ohio state earlier, it's hard to rank things just after it ended. I mean, like Dylan said, though, Marianne, I think, is a great winner. I think she had a great final travel performance. She owned the biggest move of the season, taking out Omer, and she had a great end game. I mean, obviously, like, look, like you said, you, you can't compare her to someone like Rob or Kim who kind of ran the game from the start. Like, it's obviously hard to do that, especially in the new era. But I think Marianne is somebody who... Here's the thing. I think she'll get more credit than Erica because obviously Erica, they, they really didn't show her until the end. Marianne, even though she really came on strong in the end with her moves, we saw her from the beginning. So we did see her full arc, which kind of made more sense for us. So I think people will give Marianne her kudos more than Erica, although Erica I thought was great as well. Um, no, I think Marianne would be a upper half winner. I think you're right. Maybe she would fall towards the middle, but I would need to take more time to think about it, of course. Yeah, and uh, once again, just want to uh, give props again to Marianne, uh, making history by becoming the second black woman to win in 20 years. Obviously, oh. obviously huge. I mean, there has not been a black woman winner since Vesepia in season four. So I think last week was the uh, the 20 year anniversary, which, by the way, I, I completely forgot because I, I was not watching Survivor live with Marquesas. I've, got, I've since gone back and watched it. But I mean, Marquesas aired in 2002, so I was... I was six, but um, I forgot Dylan. Funny story. So, a, a twenty years ago, last week, Vesepia won, and I forgot they um did the reunion in Central Park, and this was in December, and apparently it was freezing, and they had to give everybody like jackets or like blankets or stuff like that. But just a fun little side story. But yeah, almost twenty years ago, which is crazy. Yeah, that that is wild. Uh, all right, so we're getting to the end of questions here. Uh. This kind of is a good segue from the Ohio State. My question sure. is, uh, do both of you plan on doing any videos in the offseason in the summer? Keep up the great work. Yeah, and this is one of my favorite Survivor channels. Thank you uh, very thank much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we've seen you in the comments every week, so love to see that. Um, we really appreciate it. Yeah, the plan is obviously going into Survivor 41. We had like uh, so many, so much time, a whole year of nothing to talk about. Yeah. So it's hard for us to do consistent podcasts. Ideally, a maybe once or twice a month in the off season, we could get something. Definitely the next few weeks, though. I'm down to keep an every week kind of thing, at least for the next few weeks. There's a lot to talk about. Like I said, we could dedicate a whole podcast to power ranking who we think is most likely to come back on 41 and 42. Talking about the future survivor, talking about exit interviews. There's so much to talk about. Talking about, uh, again, when we get closer in September to the next season, we could talk about the 43 cast. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have podcasts. Also, uh, just everyone uh, keep a lookout the next few days, but uh, I'll definitely be doing, I've been doing um, some short TikToks, TikTok uh, link in the in the description below, but uh, I'll probably do some quick recaps of 
uh, some stuff that we saw in the exit or seeing the exit interviews tomorrow or any uh, post game interviews. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And yeah, so I guess occasionally I'll do some TikToks, we'll do some podcasts, and it'll be a good off season. Yeah, I, actually, that's a really great point, and I'm, I'm glad Ohio State asked that. Um, thank you to Ohio State and also for UNC as well for the kind words and everybody for being here. This was a very fun podcast tonight. Um, but yeah, I think if last week taught us anything, Dylan, that we didn't know about the I don't know fire until the exit press. So like you said, whether we record next week or whenever we, we next record in the offseason, we could do probably do a whole podcast on, you know, some maybe some um, after season thoughts. Like if we get some exit interview details, like. Jonathan could tell us something. Lindsay could tell us something. Mary, like we could get some, a lot more info that we had no idea about that. We probably could fill a whole podcast on that. And then like you mentioned, power rankings, talking about returnees, talking about twists. So a lot more to come. Uh, obviously we're not going to leave you high and dry until mid September. There'll, there'll be more stuff. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was a solid start to a new era. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to see where the show, the direction the show goes for season 43 and 44. Also, uh, I want to try to get some season 42 players on the, on the podcast. Mm. Obviously uh, I, I keep, I feel like I keep saying this every week and then my, my schedule ends up getting the way in the way of us doing some stuff. But in a few weeks, my schedule should be freeing up a little bit. So if we could uh, get, if we can message and get some players on, that'd be great. And if you have any ideas for us, be sure to like throw it in the comments. We will definitely consider anything for the off season. So. Yeah, I, I, a lot of great things that we could do, and I can't wait to talk about it. Dylan, I mean, this is the part where we obviously sign off, but I just want to say it's been a lot of fun going through the season with you. Technically, my third full season? I, I guess I guess my third full season doing this with you, and it's right. always fun to recap it, to kind of not just talk about it together um, and just be part of this Survivor community where we get to talk about the show, but also have all of you in the comments sharing your thoughts, your feedback. We always love engaging with you. That's that's the best part about being a Survivor fan is getting to share it with others. So again, as always, like I said at the start, it's bittersweet that it's over, but unlike the gap from 40 to 41, we know that the next season is only a few months away, and I, I can't wait to dive into the next one with you all. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, Ryan, I agree. No person I'd uh, rather podcast with. Uh, your survivor knowledge is uh, second to none. Oh, and, uh, and and also, like like you said, it's technically season 43 is like not that far away. Like we, we had like three months between seasons for 41 and 42. This is like, all right, we'll have four months uh, until 43. So we'll definitely have some stuff in between. Uh, and yeah, just wanted to thank everyone as well who watched us throughout the season. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, obviously we just formed the podcast uh, in season 39 and Ryan came on for season 40. So we're, we're new. And then we had the whole COVID gap. So that was like a big gap. Uh, that you know didn't do great you know wasn't great for us but uh love to see that we're back love to see that we have people watching every week so thank you and yeah if you know if you know anybody else in the survivor community be sure to uh spread the word about our podcast and we'd really appreciate it yeah and like Dylan, we said stay tuned to um our, our our twitter and social media where we'll let you know when we'll next go live in the off season so a lot more to come and for the last time this season um we have nothing else for you so grab your torches and head back to camp good night